Hey, Jimmy, good to see you here again at the popcorn counter. How yeah, are you? Good to see you at the popcorn counter. What, why are you wearing this union? Is it a union jack jacket? It, is it a union jack? It, yes. Uh, um, so we, like uh, everybody's wearing them in Britain this week. Do, do you like it? I think uh, it's um, it suits me. It's a bit tight on the back, but um, you know we've all been wearing wearing them this week. We've been celebrating the coronation. Oh, that's right. So, so got it's a new like it's been, it's been a series of bank holidays in in Britain. We had another bank holiday this week, um, and I, everybody I know I think either tuned in to watch the coronation or did literally line up uh, in the streets. Wow. Um, to, to see the coronation of Charles the Third, and then there was a, I don't know whether this reached American shores. There was a like a, a, a coronation concert from the grounds of Windsor Palace on a Sunday, and we can't, we all gathered in front of the telly and we watched that as well. Um, so I, and the image I can't get out of my mind is um, Rishi Sunak dancing to Lionel Richie, which is not something I thought would be one of my indelible memories from 2023, <laughs> but. Yes, that, that's that's kind of branded on my brain forever. Anyway, so uh, I'm glad you bring it up. Charles, King Charles, I keep wanting to call him Prince Charles. I'm, I'm living in the past. Charles III is, I'm guessing, the UK's most significant or most well-known inner city inhabitant. We've watched kind of two two movies last week about living in the inner city. Yeah. And like the... Like films, inner city films, they're always supposed to be like, you know, an expression of it's like it's like a confluence of like poverty and desperation and drugs and homelessness and violence and rain. And kind of there's these kind of inner city elements that turn up in, you know, movies about life in the inner city. Yeah. Um, and I, one thing I never really quite understood is the way that um, like our most significant inner city resident in London is King Charles. Yeah. And he doesn't have... Well, I'm not aware of him being involved in any drug-related violence. <laughs> um, it's kind of it's, it strikes me as surprising the way that cinema finds it difficult to imagine that anybody wealthy or affluent or comfortable uh, might live in the inner city. Whereas a few years ago, we were considering, oh, it'd be nice to move a bit close to the centre of London. We can't yeah. afford anywhere in the centre of London. No. It's impossible. It would be yeah. ridiculous. Um, I, I never quite understand. I mean, this is obviously something which just reveals the fact that I gave up geography very early in my school <laughs> career, that that the inner city that I see in movies full of gangland violence doesn't somehow bear any relation to the inner city that I see in the estate agent's windows where everything costs yeah. twice as much as my little house here out in the sticks. Well, Buckingham Palace ain't exactly inner city, <laughs> I don't think. Um, what? Can you get any more inner city? I mean, it's got its own roundabout. Yeah. It can't get more inner city than that. It's yeah. the absolute heart of the city. Yeah. Um, well, London always struck me as being a little different from so many big cities in the sense that it's really this... Uh, conglomeration of all these what former um, boroughs and former towns really Paul put together so what would you call what do you think the inner city the real like gritty inner city of London is what neighborhood would you point to to would you go out to kind of Whitechapel or something like that I suppose wouldn't you I should tell you what um, when we first moved to London we lived uh, for a year in White City Hmm. uh, which is uh, just where the BBC used to live yeah. uh, in West London, yep. uh, we had like a little flat in a terraced house just next to a flyover. Yeah. And uh, shortly after we moved there, we got mugged in a telephone booth. <sighs> and White City was kind of you know well known as being the crack capital of, of London. Yeah. And, you know, that was pretty inner city. Yeah. But but for all the kind of you know, rough and rugged inner cityness of it, yeah. it was still 
you know, 500 metres away from where they would record um, Top of the Pops on BBC oh, for Thursday yeah. evening. I mean, yeah. it was still, it, it wasn't that tough and, and rough. Yeah. Well, I think I think a great thing about London for me was just that it feels like a bunch of different smaller cities together. So you could point to a number of different areas that have their own inner city feel. It's not really located in just one place. Some of the big American cities definitely have, you know, like a downtown area where there's um, there's business, obviously, but in some cases there's um, uh, housing and, and apartment buildings and stuff like that. So you get a sense of the density in, in just one area that uh, makes you feel inner city. Um, but London, I think, uh, it's such a pleasant city with big parks and such different neighborhoods that... That's no, the parks, isn't it? It's really I, massive, yeah. I, I did look up uh, inner city movies yeah. uh, to see whether there was kind of, you know, anything that would compare to um, La Classe. Yeah. The Substitute, which we watched last week. And the top one, which always comes up, is Boys in the Hood. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's a John Singleton's first movie. Ice Cube's first movie, I think. Wow. From 1991. Yeah, he was still like a real youngsters back then. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, the the overriding image I remember from Boys in the Hood is that it starts uh, with um, the camera on a tripod just looking at a stop sign. Yeah. Um, and you know, this just it, it hammers this stop sign right in your face, right at the at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And I suppose if you know something about um, you know, inner city violence and drug wars, then you know it makes a sense about stop the violence. But really, watching it in a you know in a comfortable London cinema, Boys in the Hood, you know, the very first impression you get is, oh, this is a road safety movie. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> is that what it's supposed to be about? Be careful crossing the road, kids. That's that's the take home message. The international sign for stop. Yes. <laughs> I just had an idea was that um, you were talking about estate agents and how expensive uh, inner cities have become in some ways. It seems like, um, I mean, I live in a place, it's a small city, but it's become so expensive that poor people just really can't live here very easily, um, which is ridiculous. And that it it sort of goes back and forth. There was In the United States, there was all this white flight probably in the 50s where people had abandoned the inner cities um, for space in the suburbs and a lot of non-white people ended up staying there. Now, to a certain extent, we've got people flooding back into the cities with more money and then you're, you're seeing displacement again of non-white people. So that's that's the kind of the American thing that's happening. Um, but, you know, a lot of inner cities have these beautiful, obviously in New York City, there are beautiful areas um, that don't feel gritty at all the way um, a lot of inner city uh, cinematic uh, pieces um, and I think, yeah, most cities are kind of like that. Like you're definitely going to have some great neighborhoods and you're going to have some some poorer neighborhoods. And it's just that mix that uh, makes them, I guess, good good feeding grounds for stories and films. The closest kind of English equivalent I can think of for something like Boys in the Hood is This is England. Have you seen that? Which is it's. Um... I did. I was living there. It's such a Meadows, Shane, ah. Shane Meadows film. Shane Meadows, exactly. 2006. So Shane Meadows is like Nottingham's most famous son now. So this is the city where I grew up. Okay. Um, and this is England. It's all shot in Nottingham. It's, I, mean, I used to go to Bingham Swimming Pool, Bingham Baths it was called. Yeah. Um, I used to go to you know, Bingham where a lot of the film was shot, uh, the meadows, all these kind of uh, areas in Nottingham. Very familiar to me where this film was shot. Although interestingly, there are like a bunch of scenes at some docks uh, in this is England, and there are no docks in Nottingham. I think he is deliberately trying to say this is a a generic okay. Midland city and not yeah. Nottingham per se. But the the Nottingham of that city, the the unnamed inner city of that 
movie um, is very familiar from my childhood. So I think it's set in 1979 when you know skinheads were a big thing yep. in um, in the UK at the time. And I remember as a child there being um, NF graffiti everywhere, you know, back in like 1979, 1980, and me asking my father, what does NF stand for? Why are people writing NF everywhere? Do you know what NF stands for? Mm, I'm going to guess no foreigners. Oh, well, not a million miles away. Okay. National Front oh, yeah. is what NF stands for. So it's basically the UK Nazis. Yeah. Um, and I remember there was um, an anti-Nazi league. And then there were kind of, you know, regularly you'd see in the Nottingham Evening Post that there yeah. would be some fight between between the National Front and the anti-Nazi league. And it was like, you know, it was a big thing. There was some skinhead on skinhead violence. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the equivalent. But it's interesting that in the UK, this inner city fighting was not over drugs and territory, but over ideology. Hmm. Which feels like, yeah, it's actually quite a sweet, refreshing thing for people to fight over. People are fighting <laughs> over the politics of ideas and not selling crack to each other. Yeah. That's, that's how we do things in the United Kingdom. It's, um, I think when we think of urban films, you're very often focused on a lot of the negatives, I think. Um, so the films that we saw, saw you know, were getting views into maybe less reputable schools and, and uh, you know, poor schools or whatnot. And, you know, so many gritty urban films are... Focused on crime or organized crime and a lot of the negative stuff about the city, um, which you you can't. I, th I think you just can't place those films as easily in the suburbs. It just doesn't uh, happen, or it's not as believable somehow. So sadly, I think cities kind of take a bad hit um, in most films. But do you think those films about violence in the inner city are aimed at people who live in the inner city, or are they aimed at the people in the suburbs? Um. And this is something that people have been talking about lately, the way that um, some news outlets uh, you know, are probably aiming to polarise society, make people more afraid of their neighbours. Um, and I wonder whether you know, cinema has a role in this. If every film you make about the inner city shows the inner city to be um, someplace which is terrifying and you're more likely to be shot than, than you know, be served in a 7-Eleven, yeah. then... Um, is the idea you're are you just reassuring people who live in the suburbs that they've made the right choice uh or are you you know encouraging them to to try and you know stay out of the inner cities are these films you know deliberately and systematically dividing people yeah i think that's happening right here in i mean is, is the notion one of is it kind of like a sort of a voyeuristic catharsis basically for cinema goers who you know who don't live there um, but want to kind of experience some of that frisson of this terrifying violence of the inner city. Because, I mean, I must say, if you watch something like Boys in the Hood or Do the Right Thing or, you know, and Do the Right Thing is a pretty mild version, but, you know, a, a, you know, I don't know, things like Menace to Society. There was a whole range of these kind of, you know, inner city gangland violence movies in the 90s, um, which made you know, most North American cities look like something out of Escape from New York. Yeah. And I wonder whether this, if it feels like you know, this is part of what has led to so much cultural division in the world today. Yeah, I think they're, they're, a lot of those films sort of satisfy these base expectations for non-city folk, uh, what they imagine the cities would be like. Whereas, there's, you know, obviously there's lots of great stuff. There's lots of wealth in, in most of our major cities as well. Maybe those stories are less interesting. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I would say there's definitely an emphasis more on reasons not to live in, the, in, a, in an inner city um, on screen than, than the reasons to live there. It, it is a city drama. Kind of lend, I wonder if it lends itself better to TV than cinema. 
Mm. I mean, I did used to watch Hill Street Blues. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that looks like now, but I remember, you know, at the time, it seemed, you know, fantastically gritty and realistic. It probably seems terribly stagey now. Mm. And then I suppose it was um, then succeeded by The Wire. Did you watch that? I love The Wire, yeah. That's Baltimore, yeah. Fantastic stuff, yeah. And most, most of those shows you couldn't see being made in the in the suburbs, and I just don't think they would make sense. So all it seems like all those procedural cop shows are definitely based in cities. I'm trying to think of one that's you know less urban, but the, it wouldn't have the stories, I guess. And again, it goes back to that that question of believability. They're just more people and more characters, and and you know enclosed space in cities, and that sort of generally just leads to more tension. So I don't think it happens in the suburbs the same way. Usually, I think probably police stories do better. Um, Suburban police stories probably do better in films. You do see that more where there's the, the incompetent cops or the people who have seen uh, very little of action and all of a sudden they're thrust into some sort of major crime scene that's very unfamiliar to them. Um, but I think, yeah, there's just more happening in the cities and that's probably why most of those cop shows are based in urban centres. I wonder if that really is true. I bet I, I, I bet there are probably at least as many murders that happen in suburbia as there are that happen in the inner city. I wonder... Maybe somehow it's just uh, not quite so cinematic. Yeah. Well, there's so, so much gun violence here in the States now, and um, that a majority of that seems to be, the really horrific stuff seems to be generally outside of major cities, These uh, like the, the, either the serial rampages or the, 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 mass, the mass gun shootings. So probably statistically, it's actually safer to live in the inner city now <laughs> than it is to live in, live in leafy suburbia. Yeah, suburbia. Yeah, it might be. Well, the police officers are going to be closer to you, is my guess. There'll be someone more available. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what they should put in the estate agent's window, isn't it? It's response time from 911. It's, <laughs> it's like, how many, how many square metres is the garden and uh, how quickly can you get an ambulance? Yeah, it's, it's a selling feature. Some safety is a selling feature, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know whether we can expect, um, you know, inner city movies to change now that inner city land use is changing. Because this is one of those effects um, from the pandemic, isn't it? Uh, a guy who lives two doors down from me is an urban planner. Mm. And I was having a chat with him well, months ago now. Where he, he was saying that now that so many people are working at home, and that trend doesn't look like it's going away. There are so many office buildings in the centres of cities which are going to have to change use. And we will find that actually many more you know, comfortable suburbanites will be tempted back to live into the city, live in the city in you know, double height loft spaces and you know, in repurposed office buildings. And you know, land use will change. And I wonder whether that comfortable suburban experience is now just going to move into the cities and those inner city movies will now involve shootings in the suburbs where the house prices are lower. <laughs> it's possible. So it won't be Boys in the Hood anymore. It'll be Boys in the Garden. Boys in the Garden, yeah. That's a, oh, that sounds like a nice film. That sounds like a lovely That's film, doesn't it? There'll probably be film. strawberries and tea. Boys in the Garden. Yeah. We were talking about that just this weekend. My father-in-law is an architect, and we were talking about repurposing office buildings and how that would change uh, cities. And, you know, the truth is, is that cities are just way more environmental. Um, we, we really belong in um, more, I think, uh, high-density uh, living arrangements. And the suburbs are just, you know, they're wastes of gas and resources, and you, you don't get the same neighborly feel that you get in the city. So I think yeah. uh, in terms of... The future, we should be living in really well-designed cities that, you know, where your groceries are nearby, your transportation can be walking or a number of other different things like trains and cabs and bicycles and everything. 
Um, so I think that it, to a certain extent that is the future. Yeah, humans do less damage if we all get squished into a really small surface area. Absolutely, basically. absolutely. Just, just shovel us into one area. There's. Uh, speaking, of, this, this is the last word in inner city living. Then my my children are a little bit obsessed at the moment with the line. Have you heard about this? No. Which is this utterly crazy Saudi Arabian urban planning project where they they want to build a city which is something like it's like eighty kilometers long and half a kilometer wide. Wow! So it's like this enormous line shaped city that just cuts through the desert in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But, uh, so my children have been finding, finding endless videos on YouTube about the line and what the line is going to be. How will they build the line? Construction on the line has started. It's so oh. exciting. And, uh, you know, I don't know very much about urban planning, but even I can tell this is probably going to be a disaster. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's so much interesting construction happening in the Middle East and they do, they've done some amazing things. And you've seen in the buildings and the, I don't know, the islands that are set up to look like a palm leaf and all that Um I think it could make sense because you could have one transportation line that hits a lot. You could have energy produced right there on site for you're not you're not you're not carrying lines way out into the country in all sorts of directions. So I think um, I think it could make sense. They might be onto something. I mean that seems extreme. I think the problem is doing something massive. That's where you fail. I think if you try it as an experiment on a smaller scale and see if it works, then absolutely. Could you imagine just a train that goes back and forth and you could get anywhere easily within a few minutes? I suppose. I su- yeah, I suppose so. I'm just I I do not claim to be an urban planner or an architect, but yeah. even I can tell that if you're going to build something as a line, it's surely got to be simpler to cut that line into smaller pieces and turn it into a a square. Isn't that right? Isn't that just <laughs> it's, it's, instead of Wait. being one line that's 80 kilometers wide, it could just be a square that's two kilometers wide, and then you'd need to buy far fewer cables to connect everything together? Is that mm. right? Is well, that how I it think works? You said you'd given up on geography. Maybe you should give up on <laughs> geometry too. <laughs> Maybe that's where I've been going wrong. Which is, which is, which is ironic because I'm wearing such a geometric jacket as well. It's a great jacket. You're not going to be able to wear it into the cinema though. It's kind of hot in there, so I think you're going to have to it's take too loud, that. isn't it? Maybe if I cover it with popcorn, do you think they'll let me in? Oh my god, absolutely. <laughs> they'll be picking up your scraps off the floor. Every morsel of popcorn you drop will be happy. Do they sell red, white, and blue popcorn? Yeah.